You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. Jamie's Log, Progressive, The Harrington's Backyard, Day 4, 2.18 a.m. I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp, but I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansack. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante, and we've got another great one for you. Folks, want to thank you once again for listening to the first week and a half or so of episodes. We've loved making them for you. and We've got a lot of great stuff coming. Just a reminder to please keep visiting Apple Podcasts, uh, the iTunes Store. We're on Spotify. Keep dropping us five-star reviews, and please leave some messages in the comments. We want mailbag questions. We want to keep in touch with you. Uh, we don't want you know fans and podcast hosts to be two separate entities. Uh, we want you to be part of this. Uh, so please keep dropping us messages. We need those reviews, but most importantly, we want to talk to you. Uh, Thomas, what do you got for us today? Oh, uh, we got a, Well, first of all, we got a big Red Sox L last night and couldn't be happier. Um, I told you earlier in the year, I took their under for the season, which was 31 wins. I kind of laughed at that uh, when, when the bet, uh, when the uh, books posted that. Um, and right now I think they're at seven losses, which is, uh, which is, pretty incredible uh, I, was, I i believe they're at eight losses eight losses even better oh my god all i need i what do i need 32 losses for them i'm, I'm a quarter of the way there and we're a week a, a week into the season it's incredible um but you know we did enough ripping of the red Sox the last couple weeks so you know let's talk about the yanks let's yanks focus today uh we're going to discuss Galeber torres um and what's going on with him uh, we're going to talk about the bullpen and roles for some of these guys that we've seen over the last week and where we think they would best fit in and how Aaron Booch uh, should uh, use them. 
Um, and finally, uh, we're going to rip to shreds this Aaron Judge, Max Kepler comparison BS on Twitter. Um, you know, we didn't really want to address it, but it, it gained more traction than we thought it would. Um, and now it's our responsibility to really just pummel it into the ground and have the discussion be dead. Um, well, that's the thing. Sometimes the podcast topics write themselves, right? I, I didn't want to talk about Aaron Judge and Max Kepler, but then I went to sleep every night for the past three days thinking about Aaron Judge and Max Kepler. So now I guess we have to. Yeah, it's a must. We'll save it for the end, though. We'll, we'll ease into it so we're not overwhelming people in the beginning. But um, let's talk about Glaber Torres. You know, we got this doubleheader with the Phillies uh, today and uh, another game against them on Thursday. Uh, what's been going on with him through the first nine games? I mean, we can't be confident that we're seeing the real Glaber Torres yet. There's sort of no way of knowing how full strength he is after getting hit on the elbow in that Orioles game. That's one of those that can kind of just be a stinger that, you know, lasts and lasts. And based on our limited sample size, there's really no way to judge whether or not he feels comfortable swinging the bat right now. So right up top, I mean, it's important to note that we, we don't know how ready he is for competition. But since the Nationals game, which he almost single-handedly won with the bat before almost single-handedly losing by throwing the ball away, uh, Torres really hasn't hit this year. He's hitting just 179. He's only got five hits on the young campaign with a single home run, which came in that Nats win. Now, the good, he, he is not striking out. He's still putting bat on ball. He's only got four Ks on the year. But the bad, he's, of course, not hitting, and he's also barely reaching base. Uh, the patience sort of goes with the average with Glaber. You know, he, he's not a patient hitter anyway. He picks and chooses and controls at-bats, but his thing isn't walking around the bases. So to see him have two walks this year, it's, you know, that, that's not what you want, and it's not a step forward for a guy who probably should be taking a step forward as long as he's fully healthy. Yeah, and we got an article coming out on this today about it. Um, nothing to worry about, but you have to factor in, like, he's transitioning full-time to shortstop this year. Yes, it's not a 162-game full slate, but, you know, it's still a full season of the, of the Yankees experimenting with him, I guess, to see if this is uh, the position he can hold down for the next decade. Um, and he's had defensive struggles. He's already got three errors. Um, you know, we've seen that on full display. It was an issue last year as well, uh, when he filled in on those few games at shortstop. Um, so that could be weighing on him, uh, to a pretty significant extent, I think. Um, and also you notice when he's swinging the bat, um, like you mentioned, he's cutting back on strikeouts, which is good. However, if you're making weak contact and you're not making the defense, you know, uh, work for the balls that you're putting in play, you might as well be striking out. Um, He's early, super early on a lot. Progressive presents Forced Metaphors. About bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, and also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Pitches, he's getting under a lot of pitches, um, and he could just be anxious. You know, it's he's probably excited to be back um, after two tremendous years. Remember, 2018-2019, uh, his first two seasons in the league, two all-star campaigns, 38 home runs last year, high expectations this year. People were talking about him being the AL MVP in this shortened season. 
Um, and he's a young guy, 23 years old. Uh, yeah, I, I get it, guys. He's young. You know, all the people laughing about how we talk about how young he is. Um, but he's he's 23. Uh, that would be fresh out of college for most people. Um, and he's doing it on the biggest stage on, you know, the most recognizable sports franchise in the entire world. Um, so he probably needs a little bit of time to adjust. Um, but as long as he figures out whatever mechanical issues he might be dealing with um, and just get a little bit more patient up there, I think he's totally going to be fine, not worried whatsoever. Like I said, you know, even with these deflated numbers through the first eight games, he's still sporting uh Great career stats, uh, 273 overall, 840 OPS. Um, he's an incredible player. We know he's the future of this team. Uh, but, you know, we can't let this kind of go under the radar. We're nine games in. The Yankees are 8-1, and one, best record in the league. Uh, and it's funny because they're dominating on this grand scale, and Torres isn't really contributing, like you said, aside from that Sunday game. Um, so, you know, something to keep an eye on, nothing to worry about. Um, but we're rooting for Glaber Torres, and uh, we're hoping he breaks out this week. In this ridiculous 60-game season, he's probably already out of the MVP race. I don't know if he can climb yep. back to that in the next you know, three weeks to a month, so apologies to the prop bettors who decided to use their money on Glaber Torres. I don't think that's happening. But, yeah, the, the Yankees are 8-1 and one entering this doubleheader with the Phillies, and Glaber's barely been a part of it. He's been a part of essentially one victory. Gary Sanchez has not been a part of it. Brett Gardner and his oppo home run have essentially not been a part of it either. Uh, Clint Frazier has not been a part of it. Uh, and the rotation doesn't have a number two starter behind uh, our ace, Garrett Cole, who didn't have his best stuff and probably hasn't had his best stuff in any game this season. Uh, so if you tuned into a Yankee podcast to listen to Yankee fans complain about being eight and one, this is the podcast for you. But it is bizarre how little has gone to plan so far and how much of the team's roster has been bailed out by Aaron Judge being spectacular, Cole being a winner and having that bulldog mentality where he can still carve a victory out uh, when he doesn't have quite as sharp a fastball and the bullpen just sort of being absolutely nails. Uh, which brings us to the pen. Uh, it's hard to ask for more out of the bullpen so far. Uh, Zach Britton, Adam Ottavino, and Chad Green have been borderline spotless, uh, even without a role as Chapman backing them up and with Tommy Canely spinning exactly one inning uh, in the 2020 season, which is disastrous and super sad. And we wish that weren't the case, but he is gone. Um, so the Yankees do have some bullpen roles to sort out, though, in the meaty middle. Most of the participants they've called on so far have been up to the task. This is not a grieving session. The bullpen's not dead. The bullpen's very much alive. But there are some people who've been sort of dragged around and, and are giving us three innings at a time when it would probably make more sense to have them just go 1-1-1. One, one, one. I mean, there are plenty of people out there. Not sure why Aaron Boone's felt the need to be doing this during the early sprint of this incredibly quick season. Thomas, who are the guys you sort of would like to see have their bullpen roles get a little more defined? I think, well, first of all, this is a great problem to have. We are by no means complaining about this. We just think, you know, organize a little bit, situate everything, and then we'll really be unstoppable. I think prime suspect number one is is our boy Johnny Lasagna. Um, he's been in this purgatory of relief for the past couple of years. He's starting games, but not really because he, I don't think he's ever gone longer than four innings in a single start. Um and most of the other times he's coming in, it's for two to three innings at a time. And not that the wheels are falling off as he goes deeper into these 
these uh, middle relief roles or whatever you want to call them. He gives up runs typically later in the second inning and in the beginning of the third inning. It's just what the stats have shown. Um, and he just has such nasty stuff that he is a one inning guy, I think. Um, throw him in into the, you know, the, uh, the Chad Green, Britain, Chapman mix for that late seven, eight, nine action. Um, I'm sorry. And Ottavino. So a, technically we have six, seven, eight, nine action. Um, but you know, if green or Ottavino need a rest one night, he can come in and do it. He's pumping 97, 98. He's got devastating off-speed pitches that are buckling batters knees. Like there is no need. We saw what happened against the Orioles last week. He's in there for the third inning. He gets two outs, wild slider hits a batter, next next batter pumps one out of Camden Yards, and we're down by a run. Um, so I just think very, very easy to avoid these kind of situations, especially we're in a shortened year. We can risk, you know, using these guys more often, especially the heavy hitters. Zach Britton, again, three, two or three innings this year. Not He has not been heavily worked. Um, so I think we can afford to, uh, kind of carve out a more significant, perhaps late inning role, uh, for Johnny Lasagna, have him be in there for one inning, shut down, you know, the middle of the order of whoever we're facing and then just be done with it. If you want him to go another one, another inning, I think that's okay. I don't want to push him to three or four anymore. I don't think it's good for his development or, you know, what his future role is with the team. Um, so I think that's it for him, and I know you wanted to talk about Michael King, so let's hear what you got to say about that. Sure. Loisaga is weird, I will say. He is the kind of guy who you want – like, baseball is really a game of very small differences making huge differences. So you watch him in his first inning of work generally, and he's sort of carving through the other team with these, you know, 97, 98-mile-an-hour fastballs and devastating breaking stuff. And then suddenly two innings later, there's always just a moment that he can't avoid where someone's going to take a fastball deep because it's a tick slower than it was the first mm-hmm. time they saw it. And, and someone's going to be prepared for that curveball, and they're going to pull their hands and then jack it out to left field. That's what Pedro Severino did, taking an inside cutter against, you know, when, when he faced the O's just out, you know, miles over the fence in left. And, and that's simply a product of overexposure. You know, there wasn't much of a difference between those two pitches in the first and third inning of work, but there was a minute enough difference that the Orioles were able to be in tune with it. Uh, and so, that, like, if Loisel is going to show you that over and over and over again, then why not try to minimize the risk there and use him for a shortened sprint? Uh, now, this does bring me to Michael King, who has proven time and again that he's got an incredible, you know, He's got incredible command with these these biting two seamers, uh, but it's it's been largely the same situation with King. Uh, they keep bringing him in in mop up relief of James Paxton. It's happened twice, uh, and he's been it, it's been the same line score for King. It's been wow, he was great for for three and a third, three and two thirds, but he was victimized by those two home runs where the ball leaked a little too far over the plate. Uh, and if you're using King as a starter, right? If King is just your five starter, and you're saying Michael give us five or six innings, then two home run balls is not going to be a huge problem. This Yankees lineup slugs. They're eventually going to erase those home runs by, you know, hitting a couple dingers of their own. King's probably not going to have quite as pockmarked a resume if he leaves a six inning start having allowed two homers. And based on our limited knowledge of King, it kind of does feel like he minimizes damage. He keeps the ball on the ground and occasionally a pitch will leak into the heart of the plate and get hit out. But if you're going to King for these three inning stints, it's much more likely that he has less time to rebound. 
doesn't have enough time to get his ERA down. And those same home runs are on the resume. You know, it doesn't seem to be a matter of King tiring or King not tiring. It just sort of feels like eventually one is going to leak out over the heart of the plate. So I don't understand why King remains the mop-up guy. I feel like we should let King build his confidence up a little more. Uh, give him a one-inning stint in a four-run game. Give him what we just gave to Brooks Krisky. See if he can handle that. Uh, and Krisky's in the alternate site now. He, he sort of isn't a part of this equation yet. But let's give King, uh, you know, let's give King a one or two-inning stint. Let's try to get King through a short shutout outing before we continue to extend him. I just want to see him rebuild his confidence a little bit because when he's attacking with that two-seamer, as opposed to letting the two-seamer float where it goes, he's wildly effective. Yeah, and I think at the very least, he should be used as a as a spot starter. Uh, you know, throw him as the number five guy and see how long... He, he's used to being a starter, so see what he can do. You know, uh, 2018, he appeared in 25 games in the minors with the Yankees, 24 starts, 161 in a third innings. He he's, he's eating, he's working, you know, he's, he's getting through, he's getting through games. He's not, it's not like he's having early exits. Um, like you said, if there's a home run here or there over the course of six innings, that's fine. But, you know, to have him come in and mop up when, you know, the game is somewhat close um, and there's a couple of home runs in a, in a three inning showing, that's not going to work out. Um, and he's not com- he's not exactly coming in where the game is really has defined itself. It's he's in no man's land. They're down. Uh, he's roll with Coda and roll on over to our digital fare management system that lets you digitize dollars and save money every time you ride. Never pay more than four dollars and fifty cents a day or sixty two dollars a month, no matter how many times you ride. Learn more at Coda.com forward slash transit app just there kind of for damage control. It's probably not great for your mentality. It's like, okay, cool. I'm coming in. We're down two runs. We're down three runs. Like I just have to make sure I don't completely blow this. Um, After being accustomed to starting for, you know, most of your minor league career, he uh, has appeared in 77 games throughout his minor league career, started 58 of them. So there were times he came in in relief, um, but that doesn't really characterize who he is. Uh, he might just be one of those guys who likes taking the bump in the first inning and likes working with, you know, with that kind of action to see what he can do. Um, so, yeah, I think testing that out, I don't think throwing him in, you know, from innings three to five or three to six is is the answer here. Um, for his development, I think it's from a bullpen perspective, it's like, great, we have another guy in Michael King who can go multiple innings if we need him. Uh, but I just don't think that's the way to utilize him best. Um, so uh, I think that brings us to our next guy in Nick Nelson, who is very different from these two because he is just made his MLB debut, was nails in three innings against the uh, Red Sox. And now it's clear that they got to figure out a way to keep him on the roster and carve out a role for him in the bullpen. So what do you think about that? Well, we need to see it again, right? Yeah. You know, we, we want to prejudge Nelson because we like what we saw so much, but we're not being fair to him by anointing him, you know, a member of the sixth, seventh, eighth inning crew with this. Yeah. Point. You know, that, that's not what, like, you know, maybe that is what Nick Nelson's going to be. I don't know. I, I'm completely talking out of, you know, I, I'm talking out of turn. Maybe Nick Nelson throws 25 shutout innings this year and then we all have to carve out long-term extension plans for Nick Nelson I don't know but the problem is I don't know um and all I have to work with so far 
is watching this sort of easy cheese 98 and a slow uh, change of blowing away, just taking Rafael Devers, like, you know, taking him to the woodshed, making him reevaluate yeah. baseball career. Uh, Nelson provided some of the, you know, you want to talk about it's been difficult for Loisaga and King to properly eat innings because there's always one or two pitches out of place. Uh, you'll never see an easier three inning stint than what we saw from Nick Nelson against the Sox. So at the very least, I need to see him get another chance to do that. And I'm sure I will today in the doubleheader. I feel like that's going to be a, a lot of this, you know, bullpen role shifting conversation might honestly work itself out by tonight because the Yankees are eight and one, you know, they, they have sprinted out of the gates in a way that I don't think most of us expected. I mean, this team never starts fast, let alone eight and one fast. They haven't been nine and one since 2003. Uh, and it's, it's tough to sweep double headers. I don't think it's safe to say that, you know, they're going to do that. They're going to be 10 and one by end of day. Um, so they do have a little bit of leeway here and this isn't leeway in terms of, eh, who cares? We're in first place by so much. Let's let Jonathan Holder start again, but it is leeway in terms of, let's say this is a first game of the double headers, a one run game in the sixth, bring in Nelson. He holds that one run lead. Let him pitch the seventh. You know, we liked what we saw. We'd like to see it again. Today is uh, today is going to be in many ways about trying to manage the pitching situation. Like this doubleheader is going to be a microcosm of this bullpen plan we're talking about. Uh, so I need to see Nelson do it a second time. He, he's not in the circle of trust yet, but I'd, I'd, I'd wager he probably gets that opportunity today. Yeah. Um, and obviously I jumped the gun there to get your reaction. He, we, we don't need, he, he's, he has not anointed himself as a member of this bullpen yet, but that, that debut was electrifying. Um, and it's clear that he did some he did some figuring out his mechanics and pitches uh, over the last couple of years. He uh, first of all is a starter. Uh, I don't think we mentioned that yet. Um, seventy six games in the minors, seventy four starts. Um, only recently found success last year uh, at Double uh, A, uh, twelve starts, uh, two point three five ERA. Um, so maybe he's more cut out for a relief role based on uh, his history as a starter in 17 starts. He, uh, in, I'm sorry, in uh, 18 games, 17 starts last year, he only pitched 82, uh, 89 and two thirds innings. Um, so maybe he's not a big innings eater guy, 114 strikeouts though, which is something that you have to consider when you look at how overpowering his stuff is um, because that's kind of what we're – it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum with King. Like, right, King's a starter. Um, we're using him in relief, but he kind of looks more of like a starter. So let's use him as spot start in some of these games to see what he can do. Nick Nelson might be able to do that, but we've seen him in this one relief role. He looked really good. Um, he he clearly has the ability to go, you know, more than more than two innings, which is nice. Uh, but we got to see it again. Um and uh, the strikeout numbers are just super encouraging, which usually makes you think, okay, this this could be a really good bullpen guy for us, um, especially if we you know kind of want to bring up more of these younger guys faster. Remember, he's only been at AAA four games. He had four starts, 4.71 ERA, uh, not great. Only went uh, 21 innings uh, in those four starts altogether and 24 strikeouts, which was uh, which I think was his worst since rookie league ball. Um, in terms of the, the K-9 ratio. Um, but nonetheless, excited about Nick Nelson. Want to see more of him hopefully today so we can fully um, 
diagnose where he's going to be and how Aaron Boone is going to use him uh, moving forward. Um, so enough about that. Uh, I think we covered the grounds there. Um, and please, if you guys have any more uh, questions or uh, people we you'd like us to talk about, put that in the comments. You know, I know we only discussed three relievers. I'm sure there's a lot of other question marks around guys that you'd like to hear about. Pop it in there. We're, we'll be more than happy to talk about it. Um, but now for the, the fun one, part. The oh, one fly in the ointment that I will say that, you know, just to throw the wrench into the bullpen conversation, there's a guy like this on every team. Mm-hmm. You know, every fan base has it. Luis Sessa is back today. Uh, part of the reason the bullpens felt like such a pleasant open conversation so far is that Sessa has been on the mend. He's sort of a what do you do with this guy? Uh, who gets innings under Aaron Boone, whether you want him to or not, and he hasn't been available yet, uh, now he is. So we'll see how that changes the equation, whether he starts ending up in situations where we'd rather see somebody else. Yeah, um, good point. And uh, now for the fun part, Judge versus mm. Kepler. Mm. You, were, you were talking about this, I think, last week, and I didn't even pay it any attention because I was like, I don't know what – I don't know what depths of Twitter you have reached to find this <laughs> shit, but it's uh, it's it's it struck a chord with a lot of people. I started seeing stuff about it yesterday, and I was like, you know what? If I'm seeing this now and I'm listening to people comment on it now, I, I think it's a problem, and I got to say something. But you know, this this has been marinating with you for about a week, so let's hear what you got to say. It started with uh, the Ace of Spader on Twitter. Who, who's a guy? Who, who's a guy who's around? Oh wait, Ace let me stop you there. Ace of Spader. If we want to go back to the Astros scandal, I forgot to mention this in the Astros podcast. Uh, Michael Schwab, who was the guy that tweeted out the, the video that was the executive already, producer, yeah, the Mr. Executive Producer. Also, in the comments of his article, somebody cited a radio appearance by Ryan Spader who said that there were eight to 10 other teams orchestrating the same scandal as the Astros. Uh, I don't know about to the same magnitude, but the same electronic use of sign stealing and that the Astros were kind of, I guess you could say the scapegoat of all this. So yes, a third of the league was doing what the Astros were doing, but the MLB was like, you know what? Let's, let's just zone in on the, the world series champs because we have nothing better to do. Um, so take, Ryan Spader's, I think, uh, takes with a with a grain of salt, I'd say, just to preface this. Yeah, well, Ryan Spader is my kind of guy, the kind of guy who, who gets on Twitter and hates on the Yankees for 24 consecutive hours. And then when someone's like, whoa, whoa, you hate on the Yankees a lot. He's like, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm a <laughs> Phillies fan. I don't even care about the Yankees. They're not even a part of my life. But here's 20 tweets in a row that are embarrassing anti-Yankees stats that are like, Wow, uh, Whit Merrifield from April 12th to June 19th hit more homers than Glaber Torres. Like, is it time to reevaluate? And uh, it, it's never time to reevaluate. It's it's literally never time to do that. But he decided to grace us with this Aaron Judge Max Kepler comparison uh, this week, citing. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I have to blink 10,000 times before launching into this, but basically citing Kepler's home run total over the past X number of games, it surpasses judges. Uh, and if that's how you want to live your life, uh, sure. You can decide that Max Kepler is a better player than Aaron Judge and less uh, of a liability in the postseason because he's hit more home runs over a certain span. Uh, however, Judge oft injured during that span, battled through a ton of injuries to record his numbers, which are still pretty great. Uh, Judge also got on base 
at a ridiculously, you know, better clip than Kepler. Uh, his average was ridiculously higher than Kepler. If home runs are your only metric for the Bomba squad, then congratulations, you can leap Kepler over Aaron Judge, who's a top five player in Major League Baseball. But if you have an analytical mind uh, larger than that of a peanut, then you can probably flip-flop the two and get the reputation right. It's also worth noting that this Kepler-Judge debate somehow devolved into this ridiculous hybrid where commenters were showing up and going, uh, Judge's strikeout numbers make him a liability in the playoffs. No thanks. I'll take Kepler, to which I say, you know who went O for the playoffs last year? Max Kepler. He didn't get a hit in the ALDS against the Yankees. In fact, I would posit him as the main reason the Twins lost that ALDS against the Yankees because he was so exceptional in the regular season and went hitless in a three-game sweep against the New York Yankees last year. Uh, Judge, meanwhile, since his first playoff series, has basically averaged between 250 and 350 in this postseason series, uh, hitting a few homers. Uh, I believe he has six playoff homers since that first ALDS against Cleveland. Uh, and has by and large been an effective player despite the strikeouts. We've done so much work in recent years undoing the stigma of the strikeout. It's now pretty widely accepted that you can strike out, hit a lot of home runs, get on base, hit for a high average, and still be a remarkably good baseball player. Kepler doesn't hit for a high average, doesn't get on base, still strikes out a fair amount, and is worse than Aaron Judge. Yeah, and let's let's just mention that this is not – we don't want to do this. We don't want to – we don't want to – talk badly about Max Kepler. We want to no. remove this selective version of selective hearing that we have on social media, because this is just, this is how misinformation spreads and how uh, unwarranted conversations start and then continue to grow legs in every direction when they shouldn't. Um, Kepler and judge are judges a year older than Kepler, but Kepler made his debut actually a year before judge. Um, Judge has played in 157 fewer games than Kepler, yet only has three fewer runs scored. He has 21 more homers. He has 26 fewer RBIs. He somehow has one more stolen base than Max Kepler, which I don't understand. I feel like Kepler's kind of like a guy you would utilize to steal more bases. I know he's got some size, but like he shows some speed in the outfield, and he's definitely showed some speed on the base paths when he, uh, when he manages to get some extra base hits. Um, but I don't know how Aaron Judge, who is six foot seven, two hundred and eighty-five pounds, manages to steal eighteen bags in a hundred and fifty-seven fewer games, and you manage to steal seventeen over how many you've played. Also, yes, surprising slugger Max Kepler. He hits a lot of bombs. That's really cool. But I mean, is that grounds for comparing him to somebody who kind of does? everything else effectively. Uh, if you look at their career splits, um, I know this is only a 162 game sample, but like you mentioned, this is a 162 game sample of Kepler very much hitting his stride and Aaron judge dealing with a broken wrist, a broken rib, a shoulder injury, a punctured lung. Um, so that's also very, very big information that's being left out of this argument. Um, so if we want to look at the totality in terms of their career, yes, Judge has pretty much an entire fewer, uh, an entire full season uh, uh, less played under his belt, but he's batting 274 with a 394 on base percentage and a 566 slugging percentage. Kepler 
is batting 239 with a 319 on base percentage and a 447 slugging percentage. And typically for these things, you know, you could diagnose if somebody is, oh, you know, he doesn't hit for average well, but he's a big OBP guy. Typically your OBP should be 100 points ahead of your batting average, but it's not. It's only 80 for Kepler. Um, and I think that pretty much just sums up everything that we're talking about. Uh, you can cut and splice any part of someone's career or any part of the last year or two and make it look sexy for one guy and make it look a little bit discouraging for another guy. Uh, but that's not grounds for any argument. Like I mentioned in the article that's going to go up today, yeah, if somebody's like a veteran player on the decline or we're talking about an up-and-coming guy who's like, who has a real, you know, who struggled to start off his career in the first 50 games, but uh, over the course of last season and the beginning of this season, theoretically had a really good 162 game stretch. Yeah, that's that's a that's kind of a different topic. But when you're comparing a guy who only bests Aaron Judge in pretty much one category, like emphatically, and we can I guess call that RBIs because he's up by 26. Judge has the edge in home runs, average on base percentage, slugging, OPS. Uh, WRC plus and F war. So, I mean, I don't know. And, and they're not particularly close. Uh, if you want to check this article out later today, um, it's going up, I think at 5 PM. It, 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 none of it is close. None of it makes sense. This is just an, a, a BS argument to kind of fan the flames and get Yankee fans enraged, uh, because a section of the fan base does, uh, as this, this, this man mentioned on Twitter, uh, Sometimes they get butt hurt, one could say, and are Charmin ultra soft. Uh, yeah, you know, some people take offense to stupid things that are said. Um, Adam and I, I don't think we typically do, uh, but I think this entire conversation kind of reached a point where we were like, okay, this is enough. Well, it's one of Twitter's favorite things to do. One of the easiest ways to get famous on Twitter is by being selective with your stats. You can twist any argument to be like, you know, to, to get an aggrieved fan base in your mentions, you can do, um, nobody's talking about how Darius miles had a higher dunks per minute in 2010 than LeBron James. Like, I guess I'll say it shade. <laughs> and then you've got LeBron fans, you know, talking to you for the next 48 hours. And that's great. You can have a great time online. Uh, but this Max Kepler, Aaron judge thing somehow made it from Spader's tweet to like the FS Northwest broadcast of the twins game the next day. And so the even twins broadcasters are suddenly doing the aggrieved Midwest thing where they're being like, I mean, New York values say Aaron judge is the best player in baseball, but Max Kepler is better. What do you have to say about that? And what I have to say about that is he's not when a major television network is legitimizing this and trying to make it some New York against the world. MLB only cares about big market teams narrative. Give me a break. Max Kepler is great. I hope Max Kepler has a great career. And I hope he, you know, hits six home runs this year in the ALDS against some team that isn't the Yankees. But as of now, uh, Judge is a better regular season performer. Judge is a bigger star. Judge is a better postseason performer. And that's really the end of the story. Yeah, if we want to make the home run argument, you know, he kind of is. And his home run numbers just started to jump. He went from 36 to 20. And then previously he had 19 and 17. So it's not like this guy has been tearing the cover off the ball for six years and we're just sitting there like, Oh yeah, who's Max Kepler? Just probably some Minnesota dude that nobody cares about because that team's not going to do anything. Um, that's not what this is. This is just like we said, a selective. It's a version of selective hearing on social media to incite and create a conversation that doesn't really need to be a conversation. 
And Max Kepler can be both great and worse than Aaron Judge. That's fine. It's yeah. no shame to be worse than Aaron Judge. He just is right now. He is worse than Aaron Judge. So I feel like we need to say that. Uh, but at least Kepler can take solace in the fact that he's not Andrew Benintendi, who is hitting 069 in this shortened season and is now being talked about being a, a bench player for the Red Sox moving forward. So for all Sox fans that want to start a similar chirp about how Christian Vasquez is out hitting Gary Sanchez over the past 365 days or whatever the hell you have in your damaged brains, uh, just know that Andrew Benintendi, who was supposed to be a future Hall of Famer, is maybe going to be benched by a 3-8 and eight team. Uh, I hope you have a great day, uh, Boston. Hope you have an awesome day. Um, yeah, and uh, that's it for today, guys. I uh, think it was a nice short and sweet pod. We had a, a couple of uh, cool topics to talk about. Um, please, like we said, head over to Apple Podcasts, head over to iTunes, head over to Spotify. Give us a listen. Um, the link to do all that is in my Twitter bio. Once again, Thomas Carinante at uh, Tommy's Takes, Tommy's underscore takes on Twitter. And you can find me at Adam Weinrib. Short, simple, sweet uh, guy in my freshman dorm told us all to join Twitter uh, when it was like a new website. And I was like, uh, no, I don't care about this. Uh, and I just absentmindedly got my full name. And it's like the best move I've ever made. So you can follow me at Adam Weinrup. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, reach out to us on Twitter. DMs, uh, you know, add us, ask us questions, start an argument. You know, we love arguments. We'll, we'll talk trash all day. Um, we don't care. It's fun. We want to engage more people, create some more discourse on the podcast. Even if you have a dumb argument or a dumb question, like we said, we just talked about judge and Kepler for 10 minutes. We'll talk about anything. We want to, we want to make this fun. We want you guys to be more engaged. Um, and anything else from your end, Adam, what do you think? No, that's it for me. Uh, I just, I hope this double header goes relatively smoothly and that we're able to sort of have a nice recap uh, you can catch us again Friday. We're going to be dropping episodes every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, so put us in your routine. We're excited to be there. And like Thomas said, uh, we can be pretty easily triggered online. So if you have some really dumb stuff you want to say to us, feel free to say it, and you will probably get the response you're looking for. Uh, for the Ace Go Yard podcast, I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We will see you later this week. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.